0: Ability in this hour, Lord, beyond what he has naturally. Well, we pray that the military would have ability beyond what they have in the natural, Lord. Lord, we ask you this morning, we're really asking you, Father, to move, Lord. To move, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Move in this world, Lord, and save souls, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Good
1: morning. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, I just got back from a couple of weeks. Um, I visited three countries. Uh, we went to Argentina first, then to Paraguay and then to Chile. And um, it was it was really cool because the Lord did different stuff in each place. It was like being in three different planets. And um uh, we, um, Eric Newman, who's a f- friend of many of us here, went along as a worship leader and to help pray for people, and it was, it was really fun. But, um, I want to bring especially greetings from, um, uh, Monica and Gustavo Sosa. Many of you, um, about two years ago, we took a team down and helped build, uh, get started on a little building spot. Uh, For a children's ministry, Um, some of you will remember their daughter, Karina was here a couple of years ago while she was doing a youth with a mission training thing here in the States, and it was real sweet. And and, uh, and that little place, we went down there and we poured a floor and put up like a little tin roof structure, and they finished the building now. They've bricked in the walls, they've got the doors and the windows in it, and uh, in July, they had a children's uh, campaign, or what do you call that here? A campaign, a crusade, yeah, something like that. Children's ministry thing in July. And they had over 300 kids come to these special meetings. And Karina and a couple of her friends came up with a new idea on how to do a children's crusade. And they had 300 kids come to this... Meaning, in the little building we helped them start, and they kind of consider us the benefactors of their ministry, which is kind of strange for me. But um, they had 121 kids come to know Jesus in July. And as far as they can tell, 49 of these children had never been to a church of any kind in their entire lives. And they're still coming to the ministry. Every Saturday they have a children's ministry there. And they've got like 300 plus kids every weekend that they're dealing with now. And they just wanted me to send thanks to everybody who was down there on that team and and help build that. And they were... Uh, we're really excited about it. And out of that, they've started doing this particular kind of children's crusade in different neighborhoods. They went over to Vilja Elba, where, uh, George and, and Venus sponsor one of the kids from this neighborhood, uh, Christian, to go to a, a, private school. They've kind of adopted him. And his life has been totally transformed. It's been so transformed that one of the neighbors in Vilja Elba reported him to the police. They had bought him a bicycle and some clothes to go to Christian school, and so they saw him leaving every morning with a clean white shirt and a little tie on a brand new bicycle. They thought, this guy's got to be selling drugs or something, you know. And they, they literally had him arrested. Because they couldn't believe, nobody in this neighborhood is getting blessed like this kid. And so they took him in, and, and Freddie and Elvira had to go down and testify. Yeah, there's this couple in the states that have adopted him. And they got to testify to the police, and the police looked at this kid. He's, what, 13 now, I think, or something like that. And uh, he says, you better study, boy, because nobody gets a chance like this in life. And it was just, and it's just tremendous to see how the Lord's really redeeming his kid. And, and so they send greetings and, and thanks for the help with that, uh, neighborhood ministry there. Um, while we were there, they called a prophetic council meeting and they had, uh, eight different pastors come. Some of them rode a bus ten hours overnight just to get there because they heard we were going to be there. Because over the past ten or twelve years, Um, there have been so many prophetic visions and and words over this particular region. Some of them I've I've written down and given to them, and they're all coming to pass. They're all being fulfilled. And so the pastor said, we've got to get all of these guys who've had these different words about this region together in one spot, and they hired a professional video guy, and they came in and they videotaped like eight hours worth of prophetic ministry, you know, to, to... to get a record of the things that the Lord had spoken and how these words have been fulfilled and what impact it's having. Um, many of you know that we had a racial reconciliation meeting down there with six Indian tribes back about three years ago. And and they're getting 60 kilo squash out of this area where it had not rained. I mean, it had been drought-stricken for decades. Do you know that, that's 130-pound squash? Oh, you got. I mean, it takes two dudes to pick it up. You know, two healthy dudes to pick these squash up. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's like seventy, eighty pound watermelon. It's got the. And, and this is an area where it was all drought. And see, God has changed the region. And so they had this prophetic council, and they videotaped eight hours worth of prophetic words that had been given by these different um, pastors. And it was uh, real neat to get to be a part of that. And You know, we preached in several churches while we were there in Argentina. then we went on to Paraguay, where it's a different deal altogether. You know, it was kind of like a prophetic ministry time in Argentina. Then we went on to to Paraguay, where uh, we had uh, been part of planting a vineyard church in Paraguay. And um, the, the pastor was a gang leader. I mean, he was a, a, a drug addict, gang leader kind of a kid who came into one of the meetings we had there and just during the worship gave his heart to the Lord. And now he's got one more year left in seminary in a in a Bible school there, Bible college, but yet he's the pastor of the Vineyard Church. It's already turned over into Paraguayan leadership hands. and I mean, the pastor of the church is 25 years old and only known the Lord about five years, so we spent all of our time you know, working through various counseling situations that he was having to deal with and doing leadership training and and trying to do all that. So we spent about four days doing leadership training with a team of about 12 young Paraguayan leaders. One of these kids that got saved while we were down there named Robert, he is now the number one Christian rap artist in Paraguay and it and it, it you know he's out doing concerts two or three weekends a month, got his own c d it's just it's flippy you know to me to go back there it's just really far out, so we were there doing sort of like our parental training kind of thing you know leadership training and and we were doing marriage counseling the pastors going to get married to the bookkeeper from the church, and so we were um, we were we were doing some of that and and, and so it was. It was like going in and be a father there. You know, you going to be the daddy type in in Paraguay, and um, then we hopped on a plane and flew over the Andes and we went over to to Santiago, Chile. And uh, when we we landed there about two o'clock in the afternoon in Santiago, and we had until seven o'clock that night before we had our first meeting, and we got lost getting across town in in, in Santiago. It's a city of five million, and so we had about. 30 minutes to take a bath and brush our teeth and run off to the meeting. And then that was a prophetic worship conference. And so, uh, we got into those meetings and it, and it was wild. I mean, it was just like, uh, Saturday, we, we had meetings Friday night and they were pretty good. Saturday morning we started at nine o'clock in the morning and we had meetings and workshops all day long, had a 30 minute break for lunch. We got up to about six o'clock. And Eric finally got his time to share a little teaching. We'd given away our guitar so he couldn't do any music by that time. We gave our guitar away in Paraguay. Um, so um, he he was sharing this teaching. And, and those of you who know Eric may appreciate this. And at the end he says, well, we've been talking about prophetic ministry all day, so now we're going to try it. He says, we're just going to wait on the Lord till the Lord speaks. And so we waited. And waited and waited. And I was sitting back there and I was saying, Eric, man, we got another meeting to start in 30 minutes. We're wearing these people out. Come on. And I was getting real irritated with him. And um, he said, no, we're going to wait just a little longer. And this 11-year-old girl, a little 11-year-old girl, had a prophetic vision. And she came up to the front and she said, I saw myself sitting by my mother on the ground. And and I was tired and I was complaining to my mother. And I was saying, I just want to go home. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I want to go home. And the Lord brought a big, um, like a wash tub full of water, Fuente, and, and set it down in front of me and it had water in it. And the Lord said, Drink, daughter. And I said, and this little girl says, But I said, I don't want to. I don't care if it is Jesus. I just want to go home. And she looked up at her mother and and she said, I'm too tired to drink. I want to go home and I want to go to bed and I want something to eat. And the Lord dipped His hand in the water and brought it to her mouth and she drank. And when she said that out loud in the meeting, I don't know... It was just like the presence of God invaded the room. It just went boom, and I was sitting at the back and I was complaining against Eric. Well, I want to go home. I want something to eat. I'm thirsty. I want. To. You're killing us, Eric. We can't wait any longer. And all of a sudden, boom! Physically, I was renewed. My thirst went away. My hunger went away. And the meeting lasted straight through till about twelve thirty. At 12.30, the local pastor, I mean, I've got it on videotape. I mean, it was scandalous. The dance, and about 12, there was a guy there that looks exactly like Chuck. I, and and it, it was scandalous. And I, I said, anybody who wants the at one time I got to preaching during that period of time, and, and I said, anybody who wants the gift of healing needs to come forward right now. And then the Lord gave me this word. He says, now, when I mention the gift of healing, if you immediately felt like crying, that means it's you. Hurry. This guy who is just like Chuck was the first one up there. I thought the Lord said three. There was about 20-something came running to the front. This big old guy just like Chuck was up there. <laughs> I just want to see people get healed. It was fun to be in a meeting in Chile with Chuck. but about but about twelve thirty we started trying to clean up the debris off of the floor. you know there were people over here crying, there were people over here laughing, you know just one of those kind of meetings. but it was fun. it was fun, and I really appreciate everybody's prayers, but uh, it is exhilarating to be sent out and to get to participate in the things that God wants to do for his people in the nations. I tell you, it is a huge privilege. And I just want to thank you guys for um, providing like a home base to operate out of because it is it is so ultimately cool. Um,
0: that's it. That was good, wasn't it? know what the Lord's doing in South America. Well, I wanted to ask you this morning, um, you know, I was looking at some financial things in the church, and don't let your heart sink. <laughs> we uh, spent about $12,000 this year on like putting these vents in because the other ones were inadequate, and putting a new parking lot in and hiring engineers, and we really didn't get enough money to pay for all that. Um, so I'm asking you, I want to take up an offering to help you know, recoup some loss that we had on that. And so if you would like to do that, God loves uh, hilarious givers. There's no compulsion if you don't want to do it. Uh, by all means, do not do that. Uh, but if you do do that, and as I taught you in the last four weeks, if you are a generous giver, God will generously bless you. I believe that. So, huh? That is exactly right. So I want to ask you to do that. So you guys would come and with the plates and pass them out again. And thank you for your ahead of time generosity. Amen. And while we're doing that, uh, I got some sad news. I want to bring them up here. Arthur and Joanne, come up here. This is, this is the bad news. (laughs) They can't, of course they're from Poland. Isn't that wonderful? Let's give them a hand for being from Poland. I guess sometimes we had a message that said something about entertaining the nations and uh, asking people on a personal level, would they be willing to do that? And John and Sue Crowley, responded to the Lord that they would be willing to do that. Little did they know that they were going to get a phone call a little later asking them would they be willing to allow a Polish couple to come and live in their home. And that's how they came to our church. And they I guess that was back in June. You're not crying, are you? <laughs> that was back in June or July. They came over here and... um they got jobs. Uh, they finally wound up getting their own apartment in somebody's house. And really, uh, they really became a part of this church. I've noticed that in the last month, they really became a part. But the sad thing is, they have to go back to Poland because of their visa situation. Now, I'm believing that the Lord wants to bring them back. Now, everybody wants you back. But they have to go home to be able to come back. They had to go home and, and get visas. They have a they have a. They work for a company, and this woman has, that I guess, runs a company or manages it. Has went to the bat incredibly for them, saying to the to our government, Sue Mark, who's sort of a district congressman or something, like that, saying they need these people. That her company needs them. They have skills that they need. I mean, she's just bent over backwards to try to get them. And they're going to go back and try to gather information that will prove that they have skills that are needed over here. But really, the real reason they're over here, and I believe God wants to bring them back, is not because of their natural skills, which are wonderful, but because of their kingdom of God. And, you know, the Lord wants them to be to go home, I think. They need to go home and be with their family. That's important, to visit with their family. And and they have a call on their life, I think, for the nations, I believe they Believe that, and they have a call. I think they really have real pastoral callings on their life too, or shepherding calls. God wants to use them. Yeah, yeah, that's a witness. I've seen that. Becky's seen that. Now Chuck's saying it. So, but this is one thing I'm on. I have committed you to something. This church to something, to help them get back here. Okay, I've committed you to pray for them, uh, that the Lord would work it out. And I told them, you know, financially that we we would try to help them come back. Yes. So we want you, we hate you to go back, but we want to stand with you. And we want to take a chance now to really pray for them. This is their last Sunday. They're going to be leaving Saturday to go home. And so we want to let them know that we really do love them. We really do. And really believe that God divinely brought them to our church. And that we feel, I feel like, you know, just by observing them, I like to observe people to see, do they really feel here? Do they really are, are part of this church? I've seen them function and do things that indicate they're not just here visiting. They are like a piece of this church, a body part that needs to be reconnected. But we can let body parts go to Poland and, you know. So I wanted the 20-something for y'all guys to come up, and that was the group they've been really involved with. But I want to give other people a chance just to come and lay hands on them and bless them. And I'm going to just pray a sort of a general prayer and then just let people just pray over you and love on you. Father, we thank you for Arthur and Joanne. Lord, I thank you that you brought them here, Lord, and we've got to get to know them. Lord, we don't want them to go back. We really don't, but we're going to let them go back, Lord. We're going to release them to go. We believe you're in all this visa stuff. We believe you're over every government. Lord, we believe they need to go home and, and be with their family over the next couple of months, Lord, and 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 tend to their families, and and minister to their families also. But we're saying in faith today, Lord, we want them to come back. So we ask You right now, Father, to send them on their way in Jesus' name. Protect them. Grace them. Let them know that You're with them. Let them know, Lord, don't let anything come that would harm them. Not one thing. And we are asking You that they would go home there to get all their administrative papers in order, and they would be able to come back, Lord. Soon, Lord. And we bless them today in the name of Jesus. We love them, Lord. We we really do. We feel so connected to them, Lord, and so much a part of them, Lord. Thank you for bringing them, Lord. We bless them in Jesus' name. Mm. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for what you've done in them since they've been here, Lord. I pray that. We want them. That's a good word. We want to let the kids go. Be dismissed for children's church. Lord, we ask you to bless the young young generation that's going back there to children's church. Okay, you know the Lord uh, sometimes does things that you don't really uh, expect or plan for, and this morning I feel like the Lord, when I got up, "I was going to put me between a rock and a hard place," and uh, I presume the rock being the Lord, right? Jesus is our rock. The hard place is people's expectations. Um, but I concluded I would rather follow the Lord than commit myself into the hands of man. So, when I got here, I feel like the Lord gave me a little bit more clarity on what that means. Um, I want to read a couple of things and say a couple of things to you this morning. Um, This is what, what I was planning on doing. But that's okay. I want you to turn to Luke 17. You know, and really your body is telling you it's a quarter to one. But it's not true. Because you got an extra hour of sleep last night. This is, uh, two things in here. Jesus is, uh, I'm just going to tell you the title of my Bible is over Luke 17, over the first four verses. It's called Jesus Warns of Offenses. Jesus Warns of Offenses. I want to talk about being offended and division, okay? And I just believe God has something very specific He wants to say to us this morning. Uh, verse 1, then he said to the disciples, so if you, if you know the Lord as Savior, then you as a disciple, you, you know. So he's talking to you this morning. He said, it, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Number one, expect to get offended. Expect people to do things that are going to offend you, okay? That's what Jesus just said, it's flat impossible, uh, and then he sort of admonishes those who are of, of offensive nature. In other words, if you go around offending people all the time, the Lord might want to have a, a conference call with you, okay? Because he goes on and says, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Uh, take heed to yourself. If your then sort of switches gears here. So take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Okay. In other words, if, if somebody commits a sin against you, you need to you need to challenge him about it and admonish him about sinning. That's always in order to admonish somebody when they sin. When they sin personally against you, the Lord gives you permission to admonish them in love, of course. And if he sins against you, and if he repents, forgive him. So you've got to forgive also. You can't just do the first part. A lot of people stop at the first part. They do half the story, half the truth, and it doesn't work like that. He says, if he, if he, if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. That's what the Lord said. If, he does, if you're wrong seven times in one day, same guy come and seven times he comes to you, you have to forgive him. That's what the Bible teaches. You really have to. You have no choice, let me tell you this morning. This is not an option it's for Christianity. If you think it's an option, you're a really in big You're going to get a major conference call from the Lord. But here's the problem we're like the disciples, because it goes on in verse 5. And the apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. I mean, it's going to take a lot of faith to pull off. That kind of lifestyle. That's what they were saying. We need help to do this. So the Lord says, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he comes in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterwards you? We'll eat and drink. You understand what the Lord's saying here? You own, you got this service. Somebody's working for you. And they've been working all day. And you come home at night. The Lord's saying, listen, don't expect me to be fixing your supper for you. You work for me. You fix my supper. You take care of me. Take care of my needs. Okay, and that's, this is what the Lord's saying. You, you know, we ain't doing this other stuff. Does, then it says in verse 9, does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? Jesus says, I don't think so. I just don't think so. That's not the way it works. We might be looking for some thanks from the Lord for doing what we're supposed to do, but he's saying that's not the way the deal works. So, likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about forgiveness. That's the context. When you've done all those things I've told you to do, like forgiving people when they wrong you, that's one of the things. The differences people have. When you've done those things, all you need to say is, "Well, we're just unprofitable servants. We've done what was our duty to do." Okay, we've done what, and so you, you get the gist what he's saying here. That's real faith. That's where true faith is reflected. If we will do what God has told us to do. And in this context, he's talking about forgiving people when they wrong you. Okay? Everybody with me? This is really important. Now I want you to turn to Psalm 133. Because there is a definite purpose in what I want to share here this morning. I think God's saying something very specific to our church. Okay? Everybody knows Psalm 133, right? This is one of the classic, well-used, long... three verses, psalms. I'm going to read the whole psalm, all three verses. Psalm 133, verse 1 through 3. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He's talking about brethren being together. Then he describes what it's like. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment, it is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Where did the Lord command the blessing? He, he commanded the blessing where there was unity between people. He commanded the blessing where there's not division between a brethren and sisters, between Christians. That's where God commands a blessing. In other words, um, if we really want to have true... Blessing of the Lord where God commands it. And if God commands something, I think it's going to probably happen, don't you? you know? <laughs> I mean, we can command stuff all day, but when He says something, I promise you it's going to happen. So He commands a blessing there where there is uh, unity between the people of God, where people can live together and live their lives together in unity, and where there's not just division, where there's not uh, insult, where there's not injury, in people's hearts towards one another, okay? Um, And he says that the command blessing is life evermore. In other words, there's life there. Have you ever gone to a place that was just dead? Okay, there's some places that are just flat dead. I mean, you can go to some church and they're dead as a hammer, okay? And it's because I believe there's not a commanded blessing there. The Lord hasn't released That blessing. Because you see, God's the one who gives life. We don't have life to give. He has life to give. But God does not give life where there's separation. God does not give life where there's division. Okay? He just doesn't do it. That's not the way the deal works with God. Now turn over to um, Ephesians 4. Are you all with me? Everybody happy? You should be happy this morning. Ephesians 4, I'm going to read verse 1 through 6. And, of course, Ephesians 4 follows uh, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. And if you know the book of Ephesians, it's a pretty powerful book. And this is sort of a Paul kind of, after he said all these wonderful things, he says in verse in chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you... Uh, <clears throat> Exhort, encourage is what beseech means. I exhort you, I encourage you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Okay? And then then he tells us how to walk worthy of our calling. He describes it in much detail. He says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering...